the living stone and a chosen people. I'm going to read carefully through 1 Peter 2 from verse 4 and it's, it's, it's not preached. It's, it's, I want to let the word speak. And these words were very familiar to many, many if not all of us. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a, a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, as Peter goes on to quote Old Testament, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone and a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. To look at verse 9, you know, when I was reading that again this week, you are a chosen people. Um, my family, when I was young and I was a teenager, were involved in an adoption and I found myself with a little baby sister. And uh, what a precious jewel and blessing she has grown to be over our life in our family. Mum and Dad had three boys. I was the eldest. You'd want to have a daughter, wouldn't you? Um, and back in the day, it was doable. One of the things that, that uh, we were told that we should encourage our, our little darling baby as she grew up to come to understand when we shared with her, in fact, that she was adopted was uh, that we should say to her that she was very, very special that she was chosen. And I, I can still remember like it was yesterday. Us, I went in, we all dressed up in our Sunday best. I had my biggest, widest floral tie and my tightest pale orange body shirt and my big flares and white shoes. It was the, the 70s, wasn't it? And we went into the hospital and we were sitting in this room, the whole of our family, 
and we were sitting and we were sitting and we were sitting. And then a nurse brought in this tiny baby in nothing more than a singlet and a nappy. Plonked it in my mother's arms and the nurse said, well, what do you think? Unbelievable. We could have said, nah, not for us. She had sideburns. <laughs> I mean, when you look at the fit in the family, unbelievable. My Greco heritage resonated, I guess, with her Italio heritage, you know, it would seem. She fit, to use the Americanism, rather than fitted right in. But back then, in that moment, the choice was squarely in our lap, you know, and we could have walked away. And it it struck me when I read this, but you are a a chosen people. Theologically, I I don't think the theological sense of adoption is in there necessarily, but I, I, I love the connection. I love this sense of that, of that spiritual or theological truth of adoption that we are taken from outside the family of God and, and brought into the family of God with all the rights and status and standing before God of a son or daughter of the king of creation. Unbelievable. And so he takes us in our little kind of semi-filthy singlet and nappy and we dressed our our little girl in the most beautiful baby dress and and I don't think the tyres on the car touched the ground. You know, it was chaos because we weren't ready so we had to organise milk and feeders and all that kind of stuff and she looked absolutely stunning in the bassinet going home. I don't think we had car things in those days. She sat in the back seat between us in this bassinet and she was an absolute princess and you know for the first few nights she slept in my room. I was the eldest and I was over the moon. I I had a name on the front of of the bedroom door, David, because that was my room. And I wrote and Andrea in the corner on it. Um, just be, before the Lord does anything in us, you know, before the Lord starts to transform us, and and I I, I trust that we aspire to be a people that don't hear the word but do the word, that we don't allow the word to inform us but to transform us. I don't want us to ever go away from here thinking that was a great sermon this morning. Didn't they do well? Didn't he preach well? Was that a good teaching? If we end it there, if it's just about a good word or information, good informing, uh, we have failed to allow it to be the living word of God. And in fact it's idolatrous if that's all that drives us and thrives us. However, if we allow the word to do what it is meant to do and uh, that is to trans- be a transforming work in us, then we go through to the living word. And before he starts to shape us into the likeness of Christ, he, he bestows on us sonship, daughterhood, you know. You are a chosen people, a royal 
priesthood, king and priest, king, priest, prophet, already there, king and priest. We are both kings and priests. A holy nation. That's a set apart people. A people belonging to God. He's bought us. He owns us. He owns everything about us. That we may declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. I'm getting into there. Let's keep moving on. Rob, Robert uh, Freeman gave me this great book and when I gave it back to him on, on, on Sunday, was it Thursday, wasn't it, Rob? I said I didn't want to give it back to him. <laughs> it, it was called The Gospel at the Centre. I think that's the title, isn't it, Rob? And, and it, it talks about... And, and for us in ministry, it's about from the centre out, always from the centre out, the, the word of God flowing from the centre out, the centre of our community with Christ at the centre, always. We can't leapfrog meaningful worship and get out there and think we're going to have impact in our community. We can't ignore the gathering together of, of the saints and think we can still have a viable witness. We can't ignore our personal devotional life. I'm so blessed by Tracy, the fact that she, she stuck with that thing, Raph. That's such a blessing, isn't it? Listen to how it ministered to her heart, just doing a simple thing like that. Um, and she kept faith with that journey. And the Lord spoke and ministered through that. We can't leapfrog our devotional life and expect that we can go to church and, and, and have a viable witness. Working from the centre out. Now, this is, this is one of the things that they said and I thought, you know, it really spoke to me. It, it touched me a whole lot of levels. And I, I thought I'd love to share it with you this morning as we draw our thoughts to a close. Uh, because I felt that it spoke a lot about the heart of Monty as a people. I, I, I sense that over the time that Bev and I have been here with you that this, this sort of stuff is what drives us here. This is what presses our buttons and I wondered whether it would be something that would inform us. We work through some of our position on things and, and, and solidify, uh, for better or worse, you know, our thinking and to be able to give to people where Monty sits on a whole lot of range of issues theologically, doctrinally and operationally. And it said here, churches filled with winsome, and winsome is a word for appealing uh, in a fresh, innocent way. So we're looking to produce a church, let's say, filled with winsome and theologically substantial preaching dynamic evangelism and apologetics and church growth and church planting. They will emphasise repentance, these kinds of churches, personal renewal and holiness of life. At the same time and in the same congregations there will be engagement with the social structures of ordinary people and cultural engagement with art, business, scholarship and government there will be calls for radical Christian community in which all members share wealth and resources and make room for the poor and marginalised. These priorities will all be combined and will mutually strengthen one another in our church. How now should we live? 
I guess what the Word of God is saying, for me at least, uh, and, and where the collective heart of leadership of, of the church is and as we move forward, a sense of a call to radical faith, a, a, a preparedness to, to have the courage to, to take a firm stand as best we can for better or worse in our world that we might be a light in the darkness, that we might be salt for keeping our world, our people fresh, that we might be about kingdom purpose as we have been from the very beginning. From the very beginning of the early church that was birthed at Pentecost right through to the very foundational moments of the church, of the people that was to become Montmorency Community Church those years ago here in the local park and baptising in the local river and moving from a tent scenario to, to this wonderful facility that we now enjoy today. Why, where is the Lord leading us? I come with no agenda. I simply want to be in the centre of the Lord's will on this. So I'm really asking, well, Lord, what's what now? Because I'm so excited about who the Lord is bringing to us and who is in our midst and who we are as a people and who we are at heart. Let's pray before we get a sermon. Lord, uh, what a wonderful morning it has been to be in in your house and as we have sought to bring you uh, a worthy worship, a worthy sacrifice this morning of our own hearts, we want to say to you again that you, you, we desire for you to be on the altar of our life, on the throne of our life, that you be the very centre of my being, of each of our individual aspirations for our life, for our families, for our sense of purpose, for our career, for our neighbours. You be the very centre of our heart and our aspirations and our desires. And for this people here, Lord, as we are a people of God in the midst of this wonderful community of people who so need to hear you, hear about you, hear your voice speaking to them. Lord, we want to be where you place us. We want to be sensitive to your spirit always. We want to be able to be uh, a people living your living word. Have your way with us, Lord. Purify our hearts. Refine us by your Holy Spirit. Renew that which in us has, has become flagged and, and brittle. Keep us always, Lord, uh, capable of flex and bend because of the oil of your grace and mercy and love so that we cannot be snapped off and broken away by the treachery of the enemy. May we be a strong voice, a clear voice in our community, however that may play out, for Christ and may they we pray for our world this year Lord we pray for this desperate world that the Holy Spirit would be busy amongst your people and that we would, we would be bold and speak with the sharpness of the two edged sword of the word to see your kingdom ex- extended for it seems that blood will be spilt 
wherever and whenever and all for the cause of Christ. So we would not shrink away, Lord. We would want to do our part when uh, our environment is good. Hear our prayer, we we pray, Lord, in Jesus' name. We pray your blessing on our young people as they've been meeting this morning. We continue to set about your purpose. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.